This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 439. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Facebook has banned all Australian news sites from its platform, including ours. We give you the latest news on the saga. And our very special guest in the celebrity tech segment this week is Channel 9 senior journalist and newsreader Peter Overton, and a timely guest too. He also shares his thoughts on the whole Facebook saga as well. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to run our eye over the new Hisense 8K ULED TV. We're going to take a listen to the Skullcandy Indie ANC earphones and also the Soundbox, the world's loudest portable Bluetooth speaker. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, where do we start with this whole Facebook episode dropped on us on Thursday. So it's been a few days since since it happened, since Facebook banned all news sites, all news posts from its platform in response to the news media bargaining code legislation, which could see the tech giant be paying for links to Australian news stories. And they not happy about the situation. Uh, ironically, it was, this happened just after Google had agreed to terms on, on and their agreements with various major news outlets in Australia. So they've struck some deals with those companies. So I don't know whether Facebook kind of felt the, felt the heat there and decided to, to take this drastic action, but they're arguing, of course, that Facebook is different to Google, and it is. Google is where you search for news, and Facebook is where you find the news. So they're arguing the toss there. And they did actually threaten this back in September, if memory serves me correctly. So they did threaten that this could possibly be an outcome as they were going through the early stages of the news media bargaining code. What took us all by surprise was when they decided to do it, which was early on Thursday morning, February 18. So uh, it, it... it was a shock to everyone and not not only, of course, the major news companies and all of their sites, but it was a, a range of other community sites, uh, some other health-related health uh, Facebook pages as well. I think the Bureau of Meteorology was, was not working either. So it was pretty widespread and affected a lot of people, uh, myself included, and Tech Guide. Tech Guide now, if you go to our Tech Guide Facebook page, which... We've spent thousands of dollars over the last 10 years developing, boosting, and and just building up our community. You'll see that there are no posts there. It's just an empty shell. Really disappointed about that. Uh, I've never asked Facebook for a dollar. I I want to obviously access the many people who follow Tech Guide, uh, who are followers of our, our page on Facebook, so that I can put my stories in front of them. And that, that's really, I, w- I wanted to return to that. But I've been asked the question, though, why should Facebook pay? Especially the big, it's only the big news companies here that are really in, in, in line to, for this news media bargaining code. Uh, and to take your mind back a, a little while, the, the whole issue with the news media bargaining code was to try to get Australian news outlets, the major outlets, a better deal in terms of ad revenue and just just the revenue that's going more towards Facebook and Google. And by, by that revenue, I'm talking about advertising revenue. So basically what's happening is that advertisers are not going directly to the news sites. They're going to where all the news sites are. Are gathered, so all the news sites are dis- all, all the advertisers are deciding to spend their money where there are more eyeballs, which is Facebook. And the reason there are more eyeballs is because people share news content, and the news companies also share that news content. 
So I'll put it. I'll put it in a bit of perspective from my point of view. Like I'm, I'm not the Sydney Morning Herald or News.com.au or Channel Nine. I'm small fry compared to those guys. But just to put it in in simple terms, why the what what what's happening here? Now, as you know, Tech Guide has been around for ten years. I rely on advertising on my website. So I, that's my revenue. Companies pay to advertise on my site because I attract a lot of readers, uh, readers that are interested in the products they're selling, and that's why they advertise with Tech Guide on my Tech Guide site. So you can imagine what's happening with the major news outlets now. It would be like my advertisers coming to me and saying, look, Steve, we love your site and you write some great stuff. Your content's fantastic. But because you share it on Facebook and or everyone can read your stuff on Facebook, we're not going to advertise on your site anymore. We're going to advertise on Facebook instead. So I'm still battling away producing the content, trying to attract advertisers and readers to my site. And what this is what's happening with all those other major news outlets. The advertisers that used to advertise directly with them are now advertising on Google and Facebook, which is where their content is seen anyway. That that's that's as simple as I can put it. A lot of people are thinking, well, hang on, well, you want to be on Facebook? And of course I want to be on Facebook. And and we're too far down the road for me to turn back. I've got I think we've got 13,400 followers on, on Facebook. That's taken a long time to develop. I've spent a lot of money. I've boosted posts, boosted competitions, wanting to take advantage of those the, the numbers there, the, those people who have ticked the box to like Tech Guide. I still want to get in front of them. And I've noticed in the last few days my traffic has taken a little bit of a hit. Not not nothing major, but it's it's significant. It, it's, it's noticeable. And... I'd like to just get back to normal. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the major news outlets, whether they decide to form similar to what Google has done with their new news. They've got a sort of a, a new showcase. I don't know whether – I think Facebook even proposed a similar concept, which I don't know how far down the road they are with those discussions. But simple, a simple solution would be to have a central news hub on Facebook – which the major news outlets can contribute to whatever agreement they decide on, and then they do a revenue share. So they share whatever revenue. Now, we also have to understand how Facebook works here. And people are saying, well, hang on, they're sharing their stories on, on, the, on the platform, so why should Facebook have to pay? Well, the content that's shared on Facebook, especially news items, news links, uh, people, all that is great content. And what it does, it helps Facebook paint a better picture of every user. So if there's a story that is shared on Facebook, Facebook goes, right, let's see who looks at this one. Let's see who likes it. Let's see who shares it. What's the story about? So, okay, well, Fenix liked a story about uh, the new iPhone. We'll keep that in the back of our head. And oh, he shared it, in, and he's also liked another story about a new telescope. So we'll keep that in the back of our head as well. So all these little bits of data are being used to track us. And, and the only way they can create that tracking data is, from the, is getting it from the content we look at. They already know who we are, where we are, our age, our sex, all of that information. But it's this other stuff, this other bits of data that make us more individual, make us better targets for advertising. So without those links, without that content that generates that data, then they've got a, their, their picture of us is not as clear. So they do, in that sense, they make money. The data business, the little bits of data that are bought and sold and shared to third parties that are, that are harvested on these social media sites and Google, is a 230 US dollars, 230 billion US dollar industry per year. That's annually. So it's big business. Google, uh, that, that's, their, that's right in, the, in their wheelhouse as well. And that's why they're such a massive company that they are today. And look, I've always said that services, especially Google, especially Facebook, people say, well, you know, Google's free service and Facebook's is a free service. So what's the problem? Well, 
those two services that we mentioned, Google and Facebook, yes, they are free services, but when those services are free and when we are using them, the product becomes us. We are the product because we are who is tracked and who these little these little bits of information follow. And as I mentioned, that's big business, massive business. Take take all the news the news content away from Facebook, and what are you left with? It's just a, a pretty pretty generic f- feed, and th- there's not a lot of exciting content there. Not a lot of content that'll keep you there. Okay, my mate had a chicken schnitty for lunch. Great news, but am I going to stay there and look for more of that stuff, or am I looking to? Find out what what people have shared. Find out what people have discovered. I like Facebook because people share stories that I normally wouldn't discover, and then, and it's there. So it's it's uh, I think it's it's for a lot of people. Facebook is is their internet. That's where they go. That's their one central place where they find out stuff, and share stuff, and do stuff. Facebook knows this. It's a very big big this big sandbox that they own, and they monetize to the hilt. And I think for them to not at least maybe contribute. Look, I'm not saying they've got to fund media. You know, it, it, good journalism, good journalism costs money. I'm not saying that they have to pay for every journalist wage in Australia. That's not. I don't. That's not what this code is about. They've got to chip in. If they're if they're making money off the sweater journalists through these links and how they operate, then they've got to contribute. I think that's fair. I, 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 they're not going to pay everything every single journalist wage but they're going to chip in i think that's fair enough personally i don't want a dollar i just want things to get back to normal so i can keep sharing my stories writing my my stories or creating this content that can be seen on all platforms including facebook which as i said i've already invested pretty heavily into to create this community of people but anyway, the saga continues and we're seeing other other countries around the world really following Australia's lead as well. We're seeing that uh, other countries like the uh, and even the EU were sort of, we've we've seen in the US it was mentioned in the in the House of Representatives in the US. So there's a bit of a worldwide backlash happening here. Uh, we've seen the US and Canada, UK, Europe speaking about it. Uh, also looking at Almost similarly, forming similar draft legislation as well. So I think we're going to be a pretty interesting test case for these other countries. And depending on who blinks first, whether the government stands its ground or Facebook sort of caves a little bit or the com- the government caves a little bit, whatever agreement they come to is going to set a bit of a precedent around the world. Like in in, in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, one of the subcommittee members said, if it's not already clear, Facebook is not compatible with democracy. Threatening to bring an entire country to its knees to agree to Facebook's terms is the ultimate admission of monopoly power. Now, the, the mention of democracy is interesting there as well because a lot, a lot of people, uh, they see a lot of news articles on Facebook. They see a lot of misinformation on Facebook. They also see what, what we was now referred to as fake news. So all, all this stuff that you see uh, up until, even, even now, you don't know whether it's real. And there, 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 was, there was work by Facebook to uh, make sure that any COVID information was accurate. There was some, some other things that were taken down because they weren't, they weren't factually correct. But here's what bothers me as well. On, on Facebook, there has been a problem of bullying and, and or, or the trolling and all these other things, the fake news and all of these things that have been around for a long time that have bothered a lot of people. But Facebook really hasn't done much about eliminating it. Yet, with the, with the stroke of a key, they could remove every news article on the platform. So don't tell me they can't really dig in and get rid of that crap that's already on there because they've just proven just how much they can remove in a really fast and easy way by removing all the news articles from their platform. 
this saga is going to continue. We're going to see other countries uh, looking into it as well. I mentioned earlier, I think the UK is looking uh, and the EU also looking at draft legislation that may take a couple of leaves out of the uh, Australian news media bargaining code as well. So this is a story that's not going away. It's going to be around for a fairly long time. So, But stay tuned to our website, to techguide.com.au. You won't be able to read our stories on Facebook, although if you're my friend personally, you'll be able to see them. I've found a bit of a workaround there. But my Tech Guide Facebook page is, uh, is just uh, missing in action at the moment. But please come directly to my website, techguide.com.au, if you want to find out more about everything that's going on with Facebook. Our guest this week on Celebrity Tech, it's uh, perfect timing, actually. We've got the Channel 9 nice guy, Peter Overton, also their head journalist and newsreader. Peter is uh, the face of Channel 9 News. You see him on the news at uh, 6 o'clock every night uh, here in Sydney and other markets. Uh, He's come along to talk about, of course, how he uses technology in his job and his private and personal life. And uh, we talk about the technology that is in his home and he's got a couple of uh, teenage daughters and how they're how he's uh, being a dad in this age with teenage daughters and technology and social media we have a, a very very interesting conversation but of course it's uh, no no getting around the whole Facebook saga and uh, Peter also shares his thoughts on all of the the goings on with Facebook this news ban what's happened with Google uh, the importance of journalism uh, but also too interesting about how technology has helped uh, helped him as a journalist, how things have improved over the years, sourcing news uh, up and, and actually supplying the news, so uploading and, and sharing uh, the news that he gathers around the world. He was a 60 Minutes reporter, uh, and of course now he's the uh, the newsreader on the Channel 9 News in Sydney, uh, and, and a very visible journalist for Channel 9, and, and a lovely guy as well. So here he is, our interview with Peter Overton. Stephen, terrific to be on the show and to talk to you, my friend. Well, it's been a busy week uh, in terms of news has been on everyone's minds, as it always is, but in particular Facebook and their action of banning news links on their platform. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty big deal, in, in not only in journalism, but also in our democracy. To, to put it bluntly, it costs hundreds of millions of dollars to run a television newsroom or a newspaper or whatever. And you, we, are, we need to keep journalism, we need to keep it alive, we need to keep jobs, we need to sustain jobs. And I think it's a very black and white issue, you know, and Facebook has basically said, well, we're not going to pay for those news links anymore. We're not going to pay for your journalism. We're not going to contribute to the costs of running camera crews and buying equipment and so on. So they pulled the pin. And I think aside from the impact of on news sites, what I'm really upset about, and I think most people would be and disturbed about, is that organisations, whether it's fire and rescue or paramedics or hospitals or charities or domestic violence sites, they use Facebook as a platform, as a tool to get urgent information, important information out there or as a refuge or a first stop for someone who's suffering domestic violence. Where do I turn? And they've all disappeared in this incredibly arrogant ban that's been instigated by Facebook against Australia. And I think the world, indeed the world, is watching, Stephen, as you and I know well, yeah. to see how this is going to play out. And I think I think the world's pretty impressed with how Australia's stood up for itself Absol- against this, absolutely, this yeah. giant. I've, I've, uh, I actually wrote on Tech Guide about the worldwide backlash that we're seeing and that we're kind of, a, I think a lot of other countries are kind of going to school on what we're doing here and taking, taking note of, of our actions and potentially doing this themselves. Yeah, and it'll it'll be fascinating to see who blinks first. You know, uh, it's in, I, I hope Josh Frydenberg has been having fruitful discussions with Mark Zuckerberg, um, and that Mark Zuckerberg can see through. Well, I just keep coming back to the arrogance of it all, yeah. and see that people are suffering, not just not just because they can't access their news links, because they can't access essential things that the platform of Facebook provides. 
but also too, I think we shouldn't underestimate the value of good journalism. I mentioned earlier sure. in, a good, in a democracy, it's great to have accurate information, reliable, inf- reliable information from people like yourself, newspapers, websites. So not having and that costs a lot of money to produce, Stephen. Absolutely, yeah. I understand. I don't think there's any any any. Uh, any argument about, you know, that it's fair to pay for what you use. We all yeah. have to pay for what we go and use. Absolutely. Someone brought up a good point. We, we, we pay without thinking to access streaming services like Netflix and all these other services. Yeah. You don't think to, to contribute to quality news. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see, see how it plays out. It is, um, I think it's got a bit to go. Google was obviously involved, and they've they've now come to terms with with the news news yeah. groups, and even with with Nine News and your whole news group there. So that that that's that's a good result, and and even more surprising why, in the midst of that, that Facebook did this, but at least Google's and, on board, and they did it without notice. That's what I heard the treasurer say that, oh, that we, we this just happened. They didn't give any warning or whatever. You know, well done to Google for saying right, oh, we will engage and we will listen to what you have to say and. They've come to a deal yeah. with all these um, news organisations, uh, and 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 that's a great thing. Well, let's uh, change gears slightly, mate. I know we can talk all day about the value of journalism, but I want to talk more about yourself and your involvement. How you use tech in your personal life, your professional life. I see you now in the shiny new studios at Channel Nine. There must be some yep. serious tech there, mate. Well, it smells like a new car, I must say. <laughs> um, well, what's interesting is I started. The- presenting the news back in 2009 and we had four or five cameramen on the studio floor. We had an audio engineer, we had a floor manager um, and then in the control room you'd have up to a dozen people but technology has driven massive change in the last decade and on the studio floor all the cameras are now just robots and they they work from computer inputs from the producers and there's all these, I don't understand how it works but there's all these dots all over the studio ceiling and, and that's obviously the the pattern, the pre-programmed pattern where they move. So that, so I've lost all the all the, the humans on the floor, if you like. Uh-huh. I still have a floor manager, and then the control room now is, um, and it's it's a global thing. It's not not just Australia. It's yeah. it's the new way. Um, instead of having that dozen or so people in there, you've now probably got four people, and you've got a, what we call a pilot and a co-pilot. They and all the audio is all pre-programmed. You know, lighting's all done. There's no CCU or camera, they're the people who check the camera levels and so on. That's all done. And the pilot just hit the button and <laughs> and all the inputs are put in by the producers in the in the rundown. It's amazing how it's changed. Incredible. Well, uh, speaking yeah. of that, I suppose you can remember you've been, uh, you've, you've been in, in the game a while. You're quite experienced. You, I'm sure you can see the massive differences that technology has made to your job. I think when you were working at 60 Minutes, filing stories from all the remote parts yeah. of the world, that would have been tough. It's extraordinary. I remember covering September 11, and we were, you know, we, we were on deadlines, and we would be booking satellites out of CBS and jumping in a yellow cab from our hotel and flying across town to CBS to satellite feed all our vision out, um, to then satellite feed my voiceover back, and so on. Fast forward now, you can, you know, just comp- send them home in compressed files, the vision, and you can send your voiceover home in a file. And indeed, Five, six years ago, Stephen, on a Friday, which is my day off, they would send a camera crew round to my home, Jessica and my home, and I would record the weekend promo with the camera crew. So they'd come in, the audio guy and the sound guy, and I'd record it. Then they'd drive back to Channel 9, which was at Willoughby, and they'd have the tape. <laughs> then they developed a kit, which they gave to me. It had a laptop. It had a dongle. It had a, a, an amplifier. It had headphones. It had a microphone. And it had two computer programs. And it took me 40 minutes to record a 10-second piece because I'd have to set it up, get the signal, do this, compress that, boom, that I could email that file back. So it made it a bit easier. Mm-hmm. Now, Stephen, it's extraordinary. The last three years, I have a microphone that I just plug into my iPhone. I hit an app, hit record, record the promo, hit stop, hit the email button. It's at work while I'm ringing up 10 seconds later to the producer saying, I've sent it, and they're saying, we've got it. 
and that is broadcast quality. We've seen during COVID as well. There's been a lot of a lot of uh, people making the best of their situations and working from home. And even I notice every second interview or now on 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 TV is done. People talking on Skype, on 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 Zoom. Do you see this continuing now that we're capable of doing that? Is it even necessary now to have a guest in the studio anymore? Yeah, great question. Um, and I believe that it is not the way forward. Um, because I'm a huge believer, Stephen, in the importance of human connection. And 60 Minutes has done an extraordinary job in producing television during this COVID. It's all been basically Zoom interviews. But you cannot, you cannot underestimate the importance of face-to-face. And I heard Alan, I interviewed Alan Joyce and he spoke about it. I said, what are your your businesses, what are your um, big clients saying, you know, you make a lot of money out of business class on your planes, but now people who work for McKinsey's or Bain's or whatever, instead of flying to New York for an hour meeting, they can do it over Zoom. He said, we're social creatures, Peter. We really like human interaction, and that's what our big clients are telling us. And I agree with him. I agree with that sentiment, that if I go to England or America or wherever and do an interview, I can read a body language, I can read a tone of voice, I can build a relationship, I can pause an interview if it's not going so well when you're in front of someone. And I think you get much more out of that. So I hope the accountants don't say, no, we're going to keep doing it by (laughs) Zoom. I think the importance of human connection, and this goes to remote learning as well with our school children. And I think that's actually the template, that putting your kids in front of the teacher is the best thing. Great alternative was the remote learning, which I think they get a gold star for being able to do it and adapt and pivot that word, pivot so quickly, but you cannot beat human connection. For sure. But, mate, while, while you're mentioning that, being face-to-face, I have to ask you about that famous interview you did with Tom Cruise. You were in mm-hmm. front of him. And you yeah. were asking him a few questions. How, yeah. how did that feel in the room at the time, mate? Did you wish you might have been on a Zoom call back then or you were, how did you handle that? <laughs> oh, no, I... Um you know, I have no ill will to Tom. I'll say that off the top. It was yeah. just one of those interviews. Um, it was he was a he is a massive movie star, and it was quite quite interesting. I'm not going to say intimidating. It was quite interesting having um, him sort of staring you down. But my parents have always taught me just be true to who you are and be yourself. And I just I didn't get angry or get ruffled. I just maintained my composure and who I am and how I'd been brought up. And yeah, look, it provided some great TV. There's no question about that. That all these years on, you're asking me about that, and I get asked about it a lot. But I have no ill will towards Tom. I, I, you know, it's just one of those things, and I'd hope he'd feel the same way. But look, it was an interesting experience, I can tell you. And we did the interview in Steven Spielberg's compound at Universal Studios. So I, I was in, I was in some pretty uh, rarefied surroundings, if you like. Okay. But, uh, yeah, no, it seems like yesterday. What about your how? Let's talk sort of about how your relationship is with technology personally. So you you obviously got a smartphone and you're on social media. Yep. Uh, are, yep. are you? I, I know that you're on Twitter. Are you? Are you a big tweeter? Are you more an observer? What's what's your what's your yep. actions on on social media? Okay. Well, social media. I don't do Instagram. Um, my wife Jessica does Instagram, and um, I find that and that, does it well. That, by the way, I enjoy her she, posts. Yeah, she's done very well. Actually, she's. So when she left television, she's basically leveraged Instagram and uses that as one of in one of her businesses, Crap Housewife, and yeah. has done very well with that. Um, I observe and I, I get dragged into it every now and then, which I'm happy to do. Um, I do Instagram, the Nine News Instagram, and the Nine News Twitter feeds. I do live live streams before the news where I talk about stuff, and I'm very sort of casual and so on. Uh, Twitter I use for. Um, and we've got social media producers, and if I tweet, they, I'll either tweet or they will write some tweets and I approve or change them. I did. I don't use it personally so much because I think people know enough about me, um, <laughs> and I'm not that sort of bloke. However, I use it to make a point. And last end of last year, 2020, I had a melanoma chopped out of the side of my face. Yeah, I saw that. And I posted a photo of me with you know massive mari- uh, bandages around my head in the hospital and uh and i said um i've just had a melanoma removed i get my i'm vigilant about my skin checks every three months stop thinking stop talking about getting your skin checked just do it 
Mm. And um, the reaction was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. The isn't? power of that tweet. Yeah. So I ended up doing oh, a dozen radio interviews across the country. On the late news that I host on a Sunday night, um, I did a, a nine-minute off-the-top um, interview with um, a, a, melanoma spe- a, a melanoma doctor, yeah. and we used all the photos. I took a series of photos of my wound. Yeah. And the, the impact from that tweet was phenomenal. And I still feel that people saying, I've gone and got my skin checked. I've gone and... I saw your tweet, whatever. So that's, that's great. social media for me, and it, and that's using it to the, the really good. Um, it's an important part of the news cycle, and um, mm. we spoke of Facebook earlier, but you know, Twitter and Instagram is very important in our news gathering and um, the cycle and getting our message out there. Um, what was interesting, Stephen, is last year we changed studios because we've now moved to a state-of-the-art complex in North Sydney, and we had to move on. Our set was pulled apart, so I moved on to another set. And our social media producer in the newsroom said, Pete, why don't we talk about why we're on this different set? And I said, what a good idea. So I, I, I explained it on a live stream. That's great. It went off. Amazing. It went yeah. off. Well, it's, the, the social media's given us that capability now. And by the way, I did see your, your stuff about your melanoma and I hope your, your health's okay. I'm hoping now you're all over that. Top shelf, yeah. Yeah, that's good. No, but but social media can be very powerful in that way, and the the live stream demonstrates that. There's so much; it's it's kind of turned a lot of just a lot of civilians, if you like, into journalists. Now they're streaming and stuff and taking photos. I think this generation is probably going to be the most the most covered the most covered events by everyone carrying around phones and everything like that, and being reporters on the ground. But it's it's and we become citizen journalists. But the problem is, you've still got to, as I say to young people. You don't take it as fact. You've got to check it out. You've still got to yeah. check it if you get an image or a video or whatever. Social media, though, is the, you know, with young, I've got teenage daughters, and it, it can be deplorable, mm. deplorable. And, and, it, and it really upsets me. And I've, I've, um, I've taken on a couple of people um, very politely and very articulately who have spoken very ill towards my daughter or one of their friends because mm. it's a platform where people can be anonymous and it's, just it, it's that's the downside of it, and it and it troubles me greatly. And I, I've often wondered why these huge social media giants, Stephen, and I think I've heard you talk about it on Two GB, is why can't they if they if they they can do anything? They've got yeah. the algorithms, they've got yep. the technology. Why can't they put filters in? Well, that's a great point, to, you know, because part of my part of my assessment of this whole Facebook situation is they've proven in one day that they can remove a whole section of the platform with one keystroke. Yet in the past, we've had hate speech, uh, all mm. these this misinformation, fake news, all mm. these things that generate money and, and data for them that they haven't bothered to remove. Yeah, yeah, give me a break. It's yeah, not hard. Absolutely. And, and why and, do they support that? Yeah, well, I think it's all about the, the, the bottom line. But you mentioned your daughters earlier, and that was a good uh, segue actually to the next sort of section of what I wanted to talk about. And being you're a family man, of course, you mentioned your girls are, are online. Are there any rules in the house? Did you actually sit them down and say, listen, here's what we should do, what we shouldn't do? That's a real yeah. challenge for parents today, don't you think? I think it's one of the greatest challenges parents face. And for us, Jessica and myself, it's a constant constant communication and our eldest girl she's a uh, you know she's on instagram and 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 we 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 ride her a lot on what she posts and mm. you know no that's in, that's it that shot in a swimsuit's inappropriate whatever um <laughs> we ride them and and fair enough on yeah. the whole yeah. she's good and she listens but i also like when some, some of the bile that comes out of you know teenage girls and teenage boys towards each other yeah. is just appalling and and Allegra, my eldest, is she 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 really gets like wants to know why someone is doing that. Yeah. So she'll engage, and I say, you know what, beautiful, just block them, just block them, and don't give them the oxygen. Yeah, don't a, give them the oxygen. It's, it's, but, a real, um, it's a real issue. And I had I had I spoke months ago to Erin uh, Molan was a guest on the show. She's very much an advocate on online bullying and all, all this stuff that's going on online. Spectacular just, person good, in what she's doing in that department. Absolutely, and and we're seeing some results too. And yet yet again, another where another area where Australia is leading the way. We've got a, we've got our battle with Facebook going on, but this is another area where we're we're taking the lead, and I'm I'm really proud that we're doing that. Yeah, and, and as we should because. These kids who are this generation, I call them the lab rats. Yeah. You know, so many, so many. Our babysitters say, "I'm so glad I didn't live through what your daughters are living through now." 
And I say, yep, they're the lab rats, and, mm. and it really worries me. Um, we've seen we've, we've we've seen very public stories of kids taking their own lives because of online bullying and so on. And it, it, it so there is a very negative side. There's yeah. a fantastic positive side, but there is a negative side sure. that deeply concerns me. All right, let let's change gears once more, Pete. Let's talk about the Overton household. Are you do your does your home have smart devices? Do you have cameras? You got smart speakers? Tell us about your tech landscape at home there. Well, we've got Giselle, who's 11 years old, and she's our resident tech expert. <laughs> my goodness me, you can say to her, oh, my iPhone's doing this, and she'll just pick it up and come, you know, you'll see, go, do, 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 do. <laughs> fixed, thanks. Oh, how'd you do that? Don't right. worry about it, it's fixed. She's yeah. brilliant. I keep saying to her, she'll work at the Genius Bar at Apple. Fantastic. Um, so... She's our resident. What do we have? Well, we, we we get excited that we can print from our telephone Bluetooth to the printer. We think that's extraordinary. That's pretty big. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's huge. <laughs> I've, I've got an old desktop, a Dell desktop, that I think I got about three contracts ago at Channel 9. It <laughs> still sits on my desk. Might and, be, it might be an um, antique on eBay. You might be able to get some big money for that one. I think like an old Commodore yeah. computer. Um, <laughs> but I, I, my Giselle wants me to buy a big Mac desktop, so we're thinking about that. Yeah, good what call. What else have we got? Good call. Um, I've, got, I've got an iMac there, good computers. Yeah, well, the kids, the kids both have... Um, the sil- What are they called? I'm sitting near... What are they called? Uh, MacBooks. Silver, silver laptop. MacBook. MacBook. Apple, They've both yep. got that MacBook, yep. for school. Jessica's got one for her work. I don't actually have a laptop now I think about it. Okay. I, I, I just use my phone for everything. I'm really good on my phone in terms of yep. emailing and, and so on, and I know it pretty well. What else do we have? Um, oh, we have um, Obviously, we have cameras around the house. And yep. We Security, have a, an yeah. alarm. So you can log into the camera, so you've got the smart, yeah, sort of smart home going on. Yep. Yeah, and I showed someone at work the other day, how good am I? Look at this. I said, <laughs> yeah, we've had that for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that I think that's yeah, that, yeah. That's, we don't just have sound... you know we can't talk to the fridge or we can't talk to the air conditioning unit or whatever. But yeah, right. you know, talk you still, cool. you've got some sounds like you're pretty advanced there anyway. And what about you got a big smart TV at home? Are you, are you a big streamer? Do you like sort of accessing the streaming services? Of course, you watch Channel Nine all the time. But we don't have a huge. We I mean we I think we've got a. I go to a lot of homes and they got TVs like drive-in theaters, but we <laughs> ours is a I think a pretty standard. 55 inch or whatever but what have we got we got a we've got i think we've got a couple of samsung a couple of lgs yep and we do stream we've got prime we've got stan of course and we've got netflix and i must say um i watch i, I watch a lot of stan and netflix you know what it's like and yeah. when you get onto a, a, a series and what i love is um yeah give just, us your recommendations let's hear your pete overton's recommendations on streaming well, I still look. I'll just quickly tell you, Stephen. I still marvel at how streaming works. I just lie there and go, "This is extraordinary." How this is just coming through the internet so clear. Uh, what do I like? I loved. I, I got into. Um, I've just watched Industry on on Foxtel. Actually, yeah, okay. That's a British a British drama. Yep. We loved in the line of duty. Line of duty. Yep. Just watched Bump on Stan, which I love. Yeah, that's an Aussie production. Uh, yeah, that's great. I must say, I do like a show called Below Deck for a bit of escapism. Okay, that's your guilty um, pleasure, is it, that one? No worries. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the guilty pleasure. Oh, that, that, there's a fantastic show. Not, Chicago. Was set in, the Good Wife. The Good, the good Wife. wife. Oh, okay. I love that show. Yeah, Dan right. had that. I watched all of that. Um, yeah, and does, yeah, Je- does Jess lovely. have a say, mate, of what you watch? You watch together, or do, do you watch? Do you, oh, we, we do you have your own a lot shows of stuff together? Yep. She loves a lot of the lot of the um, crime shows that come out of Europe, and uh-huh. it doesn't. They don't switch me on, so she can have that. Just watched an incredible series on. Oh, I don't know what it was on. It was either Netflix or uh, yeah. called It's a Sin, uh-huh. and it it was about um, the gay community um, when AIDS hit in in the UK, and oh. it was. Seriously powerful television. Wow. Beautifully made television. And got has received incredible reviews. So we watched that, yeah. So we, when we get hooked into a series, we love it. And the girls too, are they, are they kind of off on doing their own, on their own devices watching stuff? Do you watch stuff as yeah. a family still or is it everyone sort of... No, the, no, no. Yeah? no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've watched every princess movie and Harry <laughs> Potter movie and eaten that much pizza with the kids. And uh, no, they, they do their own thing now. 
those um, those laptops, you know, they can do anything on them. You know, they can watch Netflix, whatever. Stand. That's there. It's a different world. The the the. I often tell my kids who are a little bit little older than your kids, but they've always had the internet. They've this this they know nothing different. They've always had. Yeah. That's why they're so good at it because it's just second nature to them. What's interesting, Stephen, as well, is when you're in the car, it's like they're an addict. Oh, I need to. <laughs> I need to. Where, there's no. There's no internet. No. No internet. I need to hotspot off your phone. Why? I, I look back to my childhood. We had a Kingswood station wagon. We go to the Central Coast for our holiday. You'd sit in the very back with the bags without a seatbelt on. You know that was about as advanced as it got. There was no technology. You know it was VHS if we were lucky. You know watching a, a video. Um, now it's yeah. just on. It's at their fingertips. Literally. Yeah, I say that it's the it's the instant instant access generation. Like I remember back in the day, you want to listen to a song, you have to wait for it to come on the radio. Now, within thirty seconds, they can have the song or a movie or whatever they want playing right in front of them. How much it's changed! Oh, and some of the Spotify Spotify is incredible. But some of the songs they play, I just I nearly drive <laughs> off the road. They're so appalling. And then I'll play something from my past, and they'll just Dad. <laughs> Uh, it's been a fantastic time talking to you mate real treat to have you on the show really appreciate your insights too and and your time talking about your relationship with tech mate continue your great work on channel nine i look forward to watching you every night at six o'clock mate appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today absolute pleasure steve and i love listening to you especially on 2gb when you do your tech talks i get a lot out of it mate you never you can never not solve a problem which i love this is tech guide the Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the reviews this week is a the 8K ULED TV from Hisense. It's its first 8K TV, a stunning debut, I have to say. The 75-inch ULED 8K TV. Right off the top, I think the uh, price is going to impress you. That's probably one of the best features. It's $6,999. And before you say, whoa, that's expensive, a 75-inch 8K TV from rival companies, you're looking at well over $10,000. So, and that's 6999 recommended retail. I reckon that could probably get down uh, even further in, in market, which will be in stores in the next week or two. Uh, we got we got a chance to get up close to the TV, the 75-inch TV. There will be in future a 65-inch as well as an 85-inch TV. So we got the uh, the middle size, the mid-size, the 75-inch, which, which is a, a great size TV. We're, we're seeing that more people now are deciding on the larger screen size. 65 inches, so uh, 20, 2010's uh, sizes. We do, we do love a big telly with 75 and even 85-inch now being uh, the preferred size for Australians. We love our big tellies. And that's the reason why 8Ks come along because in 75-inch, 85-inch TVs, 4K is good, but you start noticing some pixels. If you sit close to it, you're starting to notice a few things. So hence the reason why 8K was introduced to make the picture look even clearer, even sharper, even smoother. Now, not a hell of a lot of 8K content at the moment, but I believe 2021 is going to be the year when we're going to see a lot more. I think uh, we can expect an 8K broadcast of the Tokyo Olympics. There's already talk about 8K gaming with both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X both being 8K ready. And of course, it's only a matter of time, I think, too, before we see 8K streaming. As our internet gets a bit faster and a bit better, we can we can handle 8K. At the moment... To stream 4K, you probably need about 25 megabits per second speed. So uh, 
If you want to go 8K, you probably need double that, maybe a little bit more. But when you think that a lot of people are on the 100 megabits per second plan on the NBN, that will uh, allow for those speeds. And of course, don't forget, 5G is capable technically of 4 gigabits per second, which could do 8K on its head because it's quite fast. But anyway, back to the Hisense TV. It's uh, got a really nice minimal design. The bezels are actually quite thin. And there are two stainless steel legs on either side. So all you see basically is the picture. There's nothing to distract you from this amazing picture. And not only, of course, is there the 8K resolution, so just the sheer number of pixels on the screen, it's also got all of Hisense's technology. So it's a ULED TV. It's got the HiView Engine Pro technology, which is all about the upscaling, which I'll talk about in a moment. But it does have all the traditional technology, quantum dot color, full array local dimming, Dolby Vision HDR. So that takes care of picture quality, black levels, color accuracy, brightness. Remarkable. I was really surprised at the quality of this TV. But then, of course, as I mentioned, there's the upscaling, which I think for an AK TV is an, a, an essential feature because not a hell of a lot of AK content, as I said. So... What's, what's the next best solution? The next best solution is to upscale your existing content. So by that, I'm talking free-to-air television, games, uh, all, all your 4K movies, streaming services. It'll upscale even from HD as well. In fact, we did a little test uh, during our review. It's a lot easier, obviously, for the system to upscale from 4K than it is from HD. It's a bigger jump from HD to 8K. So what happens in the background here, the HiView Engine Pro technology uses artificial intelligence to upscale and render objects at a higher resolution. So on the screen, it knows it's looking at a fish, a shark, a tree, a person, whatever, and it is then adding those pixels in real time to offer that upscaled 8K quality image. Now, if you look at our review on Tech God, we, we watched a couple of movies, one in 4K and one in HD, both on Netflix. Uh, we watched Blade Runner 2049 in 4K starring Harrison Ford, and we watched The Equalizer in HD starring none other, none other than Denzel Washington. Now, we looked closely at the screen and even took photos of each of the actors' faces just so you could appreciate the improvement in quality. So what we were seeing, the 4K movie, which was Blade Runner, the photo of Harrison Ford is actually quite clear and sharp. So you see the edge of his face, you see all the bristles on his face and, and all his individual hairs and even the pores in his skin because it's, it's taken that 4K image and made it 8K. Not a, not a big jump from 4K to 8K. Then when you take a look at the equaliser, still very, very impressed with the quality but the upscale just not to the quality of 4K to 8K. So we're talking HD to 8K, which is the equaliser with Denzel Washington, is above average, but not as good as what you get with 4K. So the that's a bigger leap. But still, picture quality, very, very smart. The, the edge of his face, quite quite uh, quite straight, no, no, no jagged edges or, or pixelization. You, you can see his the texture of his skin and even the reflection in his eyes. So still an amazing result from high definition. Uh, so the upscaling, very, very impressive. We also took a look at The Last Dance, which is that Netflix, that amazing Netflix series about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And I've got to say, the quality, that was for, shot in 4K, very high quality on Netflix, 4K. And on the 8K TV, it looked incredible. You take a look at the image we shot. That, that's with our phone. We shot the screen, and even that shot looks amazing, although it really doesn't do it justice. Seeing it in the flesh, you'll see that is incredible. Really nailed the contrast. Great black levels, plenty of detail, even within those darker areas as well. Image popped with a lot of rich and warm tones as well. Even watching a nature documentary, we could see so much detail. Uh, the the back of a tortoise shell, the colourful coral, uh, the outlines of fish, and all, all those nice rounded edges rendered really smoothly. So the H the uh, high sense upscaling, big tick in our mind. The TV, of course, you've got to remember, is 
pretty powerful in terms of if you're a gamer, for example, really good platform to be playing on because it's got Game Mode Pro, which has got the variable refresh rate. It's got AMD FreeSync as well to reduce lag and stuttering. It's also got the auto low latency mode, so you get that smoother gaming experience. Uh, the viewing angle, very impressed with that too. I stood right off to the side and I could still see the brightness and picture quality uh, as well as uh, I would have if I was sitting in front of the screen as well. Audio-wise, you've got Dolby Atmos on board and look, that that's decent. It's impressive. Still not as the same result as having a soundbar or dedicated speakers, but uh, the, the TV was quite loud and powerful at full volume, so you're still getting a good result. Dolby Atmos effect, you could hear it sort of around the room, but uh, it, it's kind of not, not as good as it could be with a sound bar but impressed nonetheless that it was just coming out of the speakers of the tv that's that's not not bad technology so even without a sound bar you're still going to enjoy a decent sound but if you want to take it to the next level i'd recommend maybe chucking a sound bar into the deal as well uh, it's running too this is what i find interesting it's not running the vdar system that we find on the high sense uled tvs it's actually running android Android OS uh, is powering the Hisense 8K TVs. I suspect this is because customers can then access whatever app they want. So there are some apps, I think, like KO, Binge. Some of these apps aren't quite ready for VDAR, but they're ready to go on Android. So I thought eight. they thought 8K, let's not stuff around here. Let's put Android on this thing so people can access their apps. Uh, and I think that that's probably not a bad decision. I would prefer, of course, the VDAR system. It's much more responsive. That's one thing I found with the with the Android system. Not quite responsive. A little bit, a little bit, uh, a lot clumsier than VDAR. VDAR is really slick, but eventually, I think VDAR will have all those apps on it, and then maybe the next generation of 8K TVs may go back to VDAR. We don't know. But for the moment, look, this isn't a deal breaker. Still pretty good with Google running Google on there too. Uh, also, you've got Google Assistant as well. It's got the far field microphones too, so you can make commands, uh, and without even raising your voice you can pick up your voice from across the room so no need to shout to get this tv's attention uh the tv as i said 75 inch under 7000 that that's uh that's probably one of its best features is its price other those other tvs are, are coming the other size are 65 inch and and 85 inch from high sense in the 8k uh models as well the uled the model number is the u80g 8k 75 inch tv priced at 6999 bucks and if you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, you've all heard of Skull Candy. They've been around for quite a while. They're a pretty pretty good uh, brand of earphones. They've been around. I've tested their earphones and their headphones in the past. But they've also ventured now into active noise cancellation, and that's A-N-C for short, and they're the magic letters after the word Indie, which is the name of the new earphones, Indie A-N-C. So uh, these new earphones have active noise cancellation. Got a really interesting design. Skull Candy, I think... The, the impression they give me as a brand is that these aren't your daddy, these aren't your daddy's earphones. This is like a, a I think more a youth focused brand, more a hipper brand than like your Bose and Sony's and those other brands. Uh, and, and they've delivered here with a really nice pair of earphones. Uh, uh, the design is uh, has the stalk, the earbud and stalk. So you put them in a bit like the original AirPods, where earbud in your ear and then a bit of a stalk poking out and the stalk's good for two things uh, it's good for your phone calls so it, it's got microphones pretty clear uh, and it's also good to pick up uh, they're also using the microphones there to pick up any ambient noise and then uh, generating the reverse signal to get rid of the noise that's how active noise cancellation works and there was a little little wing up top too of the earbud so that you sort of pop it in and twist it around and that, that earphone's not going anywhere it's uh, really secure and yet still a very comfortable fit so whatever you when you're listening to your music your podcast your audio book whether you're running or walking or in the gym whatever you happen to be doing they're not going to go anywhere they're going to stay right there uh that, that's that's good to know and of course you can handle all your sweat and all the all the all of the stuff you might happen to be doing in the gym and if you're in the rain or whatever it is uh, rated to handle all of that uh and the the look I'll get straight to it. Audio quality is is really impressive. Uh, the thing I've found with Skull Candy is that they they've got a real uh, noticeable audio signature, so a recognisable signature, really bold sound 
probably above average on the base side. I think because of that sort of attraction to the younger listener, that is, I think, what brings them in the door. The uh, that little pump up, pumped up bass sound, which is there, and I, I quite enjoy myself. But still, though, you're getting the clarity, you're getting the quality. That sheer, that sheer sound size. It's it's a nice voluminous sound. I, I do quite like it. And a lot of you guys will as well. But again, if you're into your bass, this is probably a slightly bassier than your average pair of earphones. Uh, what I like too is that they the app has, well, the earphones has a feature that you access through the app that can actually personalize the sound. So what you do, there's this new audio do personal sound feature in the Skull Candy Companion app. So what it does, it plays a tone into each ear and then optimizes the level for your specific hearing. So we all hear music and hear audio differently, apparently. The shape of our eardrums and, and whatever happens on inside there, we're all slightly different to one another. Rather than being a one-size-fits-all approach, uh, Skull Candy decided to add this feature, which you, 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 can, you can hear it without it, with it and without it, and you do hear the difference, and the difference is slightly better. Not, not massively improved, but it is slightly better to tuned into our unique way of listening, which I think is a pretty, a pretty cool little feature. Uh, really easy to play your content to and access your content, control your content on the earbud. You, uh, it, it's slightly different. Like normally a tap on the earbud will pause and play. On this one, a tap on the left reduces the volume, tap on the right increases the volume. It's a double tap on the left to pause and restart then whatever you're listening to. So I, I took a little getting used to. I kept adjusting the volume instead of pausing my, my content. So uh, that just took a few little few times to get used to. But uh, again, not a deal breaker, something you just got to get used to. Uh, the, the earphones also, of course, come with a charging case, which are slightly larger than your AirPods case. You get about nine hours of listening and five hours if you want to use noise cancellation. If you've turned off noise cancellation, so by the way, if you if you prefer ambient sound, which which I think the best tip here if you're running or walking anywhere near traffic and you need to sort of hear your surroundings, you should have ambient mode turned on because you, you need to hear what's going on around you. So if you're in ambient mode, you'll get nine hours of listening without with ANC firing five hours of listening. So the case provides an extra 14 hours if you're using noise cancellation and an extra 19 hours if you're in ambient mode without noise cancellation. So um, non-ANC, non a total of an extra 23 hours uh, and... Non-ANC get 23 hours of charge for a total of 32 hours and 14 hours of ANC listening with a total of 19 hours. So uh, ANC equals less battery time. No ANC means more battery time. And that makes sense because active means it's always listening and using the battery to cancel out that noise. But I think it's worth get, worth the ANC being on when you can. Don't be, don't be turning it on on a bike ride or running or whatever. Turn it on if you're on a bus, a train, whatever. If you're on a plane, you're lucky enough to get on a plane, then go for it. But uh, I prefer ANC. If I'm just sitting here listening to my music, I'll, I'll turn ANC on. I don't want to hear the rest of my house. I want to hear my music. I want to hear my podcast. I want to hear my audio, my audio book. Uh, there is also a mode between switching between music, listening to music and listening to spoken word. Sort of just makes it a little bit more, bit, bit more added clarity to the voice, which is pretty cool. And also, too, uh, if that wasn't enough features for you, it also has a tile tracker on board. And you, you can, so that way, if you misplace your earphones, you can actually use the tile app to not only locate them, but ring them. If you can ring from the tile app, so they make a little noise and you can find them. Really cool. Uh, also, not bad value either. They're $259.95, so well below the price of some other rival uh, active noise cancellation earphones. Plus, they've got all those features. Good audio quality, secure and comfortable design, personally optimized sound, decent active noise cancellation, tile tracker, all there, $259.95. If you want to read more about our review, check it out at techguide.com.au. On a bit of an audio theme here with our reviews and uh, the other the other product that was uh, that was announced last week, we haven't actually heard this. So we're taking we're taking our our the word from Soundbox. We're taking their word for it, and that Soundbox spent spelt box is spelt B O K S like spring box Soundbox. You get the idea. But they're claiming that this speaker 
It's the world's loudest portable Bluetooth speaker. And let me give you an idea of how loud it can be. The Soundbox speaker can hit 126 decibels. You know what else is 126 decibels or actually slightly slightly quieter than 126 decibels? A jet engine. That's how loud they are. Or an ambulance siren. If you're right next to an ambulance siren, that's 126 or thereabouts decibels. And this is a big speaker too. It's 15.4 kilos, 66 centimetres long, 43 centimetres wide, 32 centimetres deep. A big speaker. Uh, And obviously producing a pretty massive sound. But it does have an Eximo amp switching system. That's the secret source here. That's what makes the speaker capable of hitting such high volumes. Under the hood are three 72-watt RMS Class D amplifiers, along with two 10-inch 96-decibel woofers and a 1-inch 104-decibel compression driver tweeter. Serious stuff here. A no-nonsense design. There's a pro panel at the back, so you connect things like mics, a DJ mixer, instruments. The sound box is the life of the party. It also has a patented, a uniquely designed, no doubt patented, the Pulse Reflex Port is what it's called, and that can provide better and fuller bass, as if it's not loud enough. Fuller bass uh, output without compromising the durability and splash resistant. Yeah, this is an outdoor speaker. It's durable. It's got an IP65 rating. Connects wirelessly via Bluetooth to your mobile. So you stream what's on your phone and you can connect it through that uh, the pro panel as well. There's also a companion app so you can get your regular updates and new features. But here's the kicker. If one speaker isn't enough for you, it's possible to wirelessly connect up to five speakers. I think your next concert wouldn't be as loud with five speakers. Have you ever been to a concert? If you're sitting in the front row, imagine five of these. It'd be like being at a concert. And I don't know what your neighbours will think, but boy, it's going to be loud. They probably won't be able to hear themselves when they're on the phone to the police complaining about the noise. So that's that. Uh, there's one worry gone. They can't hear themselves and hear their call. So look, if you're into your loud music, Soundbox is the way to go, and that's box spelt B-O-K-S, remember? Bluetooth high-performance speaker, but you know what? Big speaker, big sound, but also big price. It's $1,599.95. Let's call it $1,600, and it's available from soundbox.com.au and JB Hi-Fi. So if you've got some very understanding neighbours and also a fair bit of money in the bank and eardrums that are made out of metal, then the Soundbox Bluetooth speaker is the speaker for you. You want to take a look at it and read more about it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private, online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, Rest assured, Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Welcome to the Tech Guide Help Desk. It's brought to you by Belkin, our good mates at Belkin. If you're after a charger, some cables, a speaker, all those products you can find at belkin.com forward slash au. We're talking today on the Help Desk about apps, and in particular apps on TVs, and in particular Sony TVs. I did have one reader asking why they couldn't access KO on their Sony television, and my advice was to make sure they've only they'd only just bought this TV. My advice was to make sure you're running the latest version of Android. Don't forget it's Android TV. 
and certain apps will only run at certain on certain versions of Android and above. So if you've got a lower version of Android, which is normally how the TV ship uh, could have been sitting in a warehouse for three months, that TV, and missed out all the updates. So update your telly, your Android TV, then go out and have a look for KO. You might have a nice little surprise. Speaking of apps and Google TVs, recently uh, they just announced that Apple TV Plus, the Apple TV app, which has Apple TV Plus in it, is now available on Chromecast with Google TV. We spoke about this product. It's 99 bucks a few months ago. Basically turns a dumb TV into a smart TV, allows for 4K streaming if you have the resolution, of course. But now that, that already had Netflix, all the, all the streaming, services uh, and, and and also access to rental movie rentals and all that but now you can access Apple TV on that product also so that's a nice little boost if you happen to invest in a Google TV with Chromecast or are thinking about it you can now access Apple TV plus the Apple TV app which also has the Apple TV plus on board And that's the end of our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Everything we've spoken about on the show, you can find, of course, at techguide.com.au. Not our Facebook page, not right now anyway. Techguide.com.au. Go straight to the site. And if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, info at techguide.com.au or what's easier, press the Ask Stephen icon on the right edge of the site and you'll see a, a form that will create an email that will come straight to me. We want to give a special thanks too to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Please support the great sponsors that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.